Warren Buffett, BlackRock, and other institutional players dominate investments in commercial aviation. Why? Because it's one of the most profitable and predictable alternative assets that exists. And it's not tied to other markets such as real estate and the stock market. Is it safe? Well, imagine triple net leases to the likes of American Airlines and British Airways. Income is contractual and guaranteed by some of the biggest named airlines in the world. That's why this kind of investment was never available to the ordinary accredited investor. That is until now. Visit accesswealthaviation.com and check it out for yourself. Invest in an institutional team with over 200 plus years of combined investment experience in the aviation sector. Conservative investing with double digit returns and tax advantages. That's accesswealthaviation.com. Accesswealthaviation.com. You are listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast with Buck Joffrey. Get ready to change your life. Welcome, everybody. This is Buck Joffrey with the Wealth Formula Podcast. And I'm going to start off by saying Happy New Year. I know I've said that already in another show, but this is actually the first show I'm recording after the first of the year. So it is actually the first time I'm actually truly saying to you legitimately Happy New Year. I hope you had a good time. We did something interesting this year. We went to my wife, me, and uh, we, uh, my three little girls. You know, they're they're nine, six, and uh, three. We uh, we went up to Mammoth Lakes, uh, which is a ski resort, probably the closest one to Santa Barbara. And the older, well, we try to get all three of them to learn to ski, but the third one kind of bailed out pretty quickly. The three-year-old, she kind of chickened out, so. Luckily, we brought a babysitter up there too, uh, Katie, who is the best, and she took care of uh, the little one the whole time. The two, two older ones learned to ski. It's pretty cool because by like the second or third day, my wife and I, who are totally amateur skiers, I hadn't skied in about, I don't know, about 28 years. I remember like maybe I went like last time I was like in high school or something, and my wife had only gone like once or twice. We were kind of going down this green hill and all of a sudden we saw my nine-year-old come smoking right past us and we're like oh my god this is Camilla so that's the way it goes folks we're getting old I guess she was out there with little uh class and she picked it up really fast and then six-year-old was going down that hill the next day so anyway lots of fun you gotta you gotta take advantage of it while they're little right so let's uh let's get on to business first of all Remember, there is this uh, site called WealthFormula.com that has lots and lots of different resources on it. Check that out. Get a copy of my book, my PDF. Uh, Also, George Newbery will send you a copy of his real book because he's not a cheapskate like me. Actually, cheap. He is cheap. But he will send you a copy of his book as well about his life as a real estate entrepreneur, which is really interesting, called Burn Zones. Also, want to make a couple other reminders here for you. One is a lot of people have asked about you know the private community, and the private community is is really good for people who really are nerding out on the things we talk about here, right? I mean, so people who like to who want a community. Uh, outside of their neighbors who do care less about money and investing, etc. This is where Wealth Formula Network comes in. So Wealth Formula Network includes a course with a bunch of really smart people, including Ken McElroy, Tom Wheelwright, Dean Graziosi, all these guys. And then it has a private, uh, private Facebook group area where there's more content. And probably the most popular thing is biweekly phone calls. And so... Check that out, wealthformularoadmap.com. It may be the thing to do for the new year if you want to start to, you know, come off the sidelines and and try to get more involved. People who are in that group, I think, are really enjoying it, and it's kind of nice. Speaking of community, I want to let you know that there is a meetup in Scottsdale, Arizona. It's the first ever, the inaugural Wealth Formula Meetup. It's called the Titans of Multifamily Real Estate, and it's on March 2nd. I would call it the first and second because really you want you to get there the night of uh, the first, which is a Friday night, and stay there the second. This will be really, really cool. We are going to have 
Uh, it's a meetup, yes, but we're not just talking to each other, that's all. We've got some really, really smart people who are coming there, people who are part of my tribe. We've got Ken McElroy, a rich dad advisor for real estate. We got Tom Wheelwright, my CPA, rich dad advisor to Robert Kiyosaki and taxes. We have got Dave Steele, who is, you know, I mean, he's my go-to guy right now in real estate syndication, uh, him and Ken, basically. And then we've got um, others joining us, too. We're going to have uh, Damien Lupa out there, Christian Allen. Um, there's going to be other people who are going to join us in the audience just to be part of the group who you may know, like George Newberry's coming out, uh, which will be a lot of fun because I know a lot of you have heard him on the show, have invested in his fund. He's going to come out. Lane Kawaoka is coming out. A lot of you know Lane. Anyway, it should be a really good time. And so I hope you make the time to do it. I'll tell you, these kind of events are really, really important because, you know, it's funny because actually George Newberry came out. uh, It was he and his wife came out to Southern California. And and it was nice. We got together, my wife and, and, and his wife and all of us, all four of us together got together for dinner. And we were talking about when we first met, and it was just some random meetup that I had one time uh, when I lived in the northern suburbs of Chicago. And out of that, be, th- this came this relationship that ultimately ended up being this, you know, hugely beneficial relationship to both George and to me, and frankly, vis-a-vis me, a whole lot of investors out there. I mean, George has done well, and our investors have done well, I've done well, and it was all because I went to one meeting. So do not underestimate the power of coming to a meeting, especially when it's a group like this. So if you're interested, go check out uh, the event. Go to wealthformulaevents.com. Again, that's wealthformulaevents.com. That's with an S if you didn't notice. Now on to today's topic. Now, now listen, I know every not everyone's excited about blockchain. That's why I started a second podcast so that I didn't have to expose it to you every week. You know, especially these days, the market's, market's down around 90% from its January highs. Now everybody hates it. Even people who loved it hate it. Not me, though, because remember, while the bubble was real, I agree with that, there was a bubble. It's not like we all know it. Nobody knows when they're in a bubble. Otherwise, there would be no bubble. Anyway, while the bubble was real... Uh, So is the technology. I mean, there is something here that will start to permeate our world, even if we have, you know, if we have no desire to invest in cryptocurrencies. You see, blockchain and other distributed ledger technologies create a tremendous amount of efficiency. You know, so-called security tokens, you're going to hear a lot more about this this year. What they do is essentially a lot ownership of real things. They're not like cryptocurrencies that really don't necessarily, that aren't backed by something real or tangible in the world. For example, they can be backed by things like real estate, just like a real security. But in having a token like that, in having that kind of uh, liquidity, it allows for um, things that aren't normally liquid, like real estate, to potentially have secondary markets and become liquid. So not surprisingly, we are starting to see blockchain projects creep their way into real estate. And it's just a matter of time, really, that things like title searches and escrow companies become useful, about as useful as syphilis doctors. As you know, uh, or you may know, that there was a time in history when there was an entire specialty dedicated to syphilis, and uh, uh, that didn't... uh, they, we don't need those doctors anymore. So they all died out. There was no more specialty on that. Anyway, who would want to become a specialist in syphilis anyway? That's another question. The challenge, in my opinion, with this whole blockchainification, you know, or tokenization of projects is deciphering what's actually useful and what is not. And what I mean by that is what projects actually need a blockchain or at the very least create some additional value that's not already there? And that's the real question, right? After all, it is, I have to tell you, it is well documented, and we all know this to be the case, that simply adding blockchain to a company's name seems to increase the value of the company. We saw this in 2017 where literally, I saw this in an article, you can go Google it. There was some publicly traded companies that had nothing to do with blockchain, but they added the blockchain to their names. 
and they saw appreciable differences in their stock price. How about that? Man, I should call this Wealth Formula Blockchain uh, or something. Well, no, I know I won't do that. But anyway, so, um, you know, as much as I am a student of distributed ledger technology, I have to admit that I am also skeptical of many of the applications that I'm seeing out there. In order, you know, for a project to be worth investing, it has to create value that's not currently available. Now, my guest today uh, makes the case for the tokenization of real estate, specifically extracting equity from your personal residence through security tokenization instead of a home equity line of credit. He also speaks to many other possible applications of blockchain to real estate investing. I have to tell you, this is a really interesting conversation. I think you're going to want to listen to it. I, I thoroughly enjoyed this discussion uh, with uh, Matthew Sullivan uh, from Quantum RE. And I have to tell you that even if you don't care about cryptocurrency, listen to this podcast because you will find this interview interesting and useful. Don't just, you know, pretend it's not happening. This brave new world of blockchain isn't the future. It's actually already here, and it's going to all of a sudden be part of things that are part of your everyday life. You're not going to want to ignore it. Anyway, when we come back, we will hear from Matthew Sullivan. What do the Rothschilds, the Romneys, and the billionaire hedge fund managers know that you don't about growing and protecting wealth? As you might imagine, the wealthy have a few tricks up their sleeves. One strategy allows you to grow wealth tax-free at a compounding rate with no volatility. It protects your money from creditors and lawsuits, and it lets you invest the same money in two different places at the same time. How about that for amplifying wealth? To learn more, go to WealthFormulaBanking.com. Again, that's WealthFormulaBanking.com. Self-storage is a necessary evil. It's where you keep your stuff and forget about it. No wonder this stuff is so profitable and recession-resistant. The Wealth Formula community, well, we've benefited from that. We've made lots of money in this space with Reliant Real Estate, one of the largest self-storage companies in the country. With an average investor internal rate of return of almost 34%, with hold times just over three and a half years, these guys know what the meaning of velocity of money is. If you're an accredited investor, make sure to check out what they're up to right now at ReliantFund4.com. Again, that's ReliantFund4.com. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Today, my guest in Wealth Formula podcast is Matthew Sullivan. He's the founder of Quantum RE, a cryptocurrency startup that supports homeowners by helping them sell a fraction of of the equity in their home without taking on more debt. Now, who doesn't want that, right? Now, Matthew is also the co-founder of the $50 million Secured Real Estate Income Strategies Fund and is the founder and president of CrowdVenture.com, which is a real estate crowdfunding company. You're a busy guy. Matthew, welcome to Wealth Formula Podcast. Thank you, Buck. Thanks for having me on. So I want to start out a little bit. You know, obviously, you are... Uh, you're a bit of a serial entrepreneur. I'm, I'm sort of like probably the poor man's version of you in that regard. <laughs> you know, rather illustrious entrepreneurial career, it seems. Give me some background on how you got into real estate and, you know, ultimately the evolution of the interest in blockchain application to this. Thank you. Well, the, the movement to real estate was relatively late. Um, I'd spent most of my professional life if you can call an entrepreneur and a profession, yeah. um, I think being serially unemployable more like, um, but I, I focus much more on finance and technology and telecommunications and real estate, funnily enough, seemed almost the antithesis of that because it was solid and very slow moving. But as the years went by and uh, as I became older and wiser, um, I realized the, absolute importance and, and uh, sheer foundation that, that real estate, you know, brings to the economy. When I moved over here to the US just over, well, just under five years ago, one of the first things I did was to set up a crowdfunding, which is a crowdfunding company that allows people to buy 
um, small pieces of real estate investments, which was really hot on the heels of the uh, crowdfunding legislation, which was the Jobs Act, uh, which was uh, sort of freshly minted at that time. Um, so really, it, you know, I, I'm not a, a career real estate guy. I'm much more, you know, technology and finance. But looking at real estate for me was uh, uh, through a, a different lens than, than a, a traditional investment side. Sure, sure. So how about blockchain? Where did, where did you, um, when did you discover it? What was your aha moment? And, you know, why did you decide to marry these two? Well, I think it's a case of faint signals from the future. So back in um, the late 90s, early 2000, um, I founded uh, one of Europe's first internet billing companies. And that was a company that enabled, uh, it was a technology company. We were selling services to large telcos. Um, and what we were able to do was um, bill internet traffic by the packet. So rather than telecoms companies just charging a flat rate per month, we were able to help them charge depending on the content that was delivered. Um, so I was involved in the internet really right at the very beginning before it became you know, the, the, the sort of behemoth that it is today. And really seeing um, blockchain technologies, you, know, you get these sort of little pointers um, that this feels that it could be the same type of change, the same type of developments happening uh, as we saw with the internet. And also, I am um, part of a networking group that meets up in Beverly Hills every Saturday. And one of the fairly regular speakers there was Brock Pierce, who at that point, uh, three years ago, was the chairman of the Bitcoin Foundation. Um, so he would regularly update us with things that are happening in the Bitcoin and the, you know, the blockchain world. Um, so I was sort of exposed to it from a technology perspective uh, before the you know, cryptocurrencies yeah. took on that massive uh, rise that we saw you know, uh, last year. Was that metal? Um, yes, it's metal. Absolutely, yes. Got it. Yes, the uh, run by this fabulous individual, Ken Rutowski. So, yeah. uh, now I'd love know. to talk to you about that more too, um, at some point. But so interesting. Let's you know, let's start broadly again, taking this idea of you know the impact of tokenization. You know, first of all, define tokenization. Blockchain is a technology that really, and tokenization and all these words, these are technologies that really should not be uttered in normal everyday speak. In the same way that when we talk about the internet, we don't talk about HTTP and, you know, uh, all the various different transfer and, you know, IPv6. You know, we just talk about applications. Sure. Um, and so I think really what's happened is because cryptocurrencies became center stage, because of all of these speculative activity and people thought that they could make, you know, instant money. Um, then the, the sort of technology um, became center stage when actually it should be the applications. So when we talk about tokenization and the use of blockchain, it's really to solve a problem. And that problem is liquidity in real estate. So we use the efficiencies that blockchain and those technologies bring to create digital assets um, that can be traded in a much more uh, cost-effective and instant way than traditional securities. Um, so blockchain and tokenization for us really is a, a mechanism to create liquidity in what is the world's largest asset class, which historically has been um, incredibly you know, illiquid. So I know what you're talking about right now, but let's, let's try to break this down with some concrete sort of examples of how you utilize the technology yeah, um, to, to do things more efficiently in real estate. Give me, give me some examples. Well, I think if you look at what we're doing, um, particularly, you know, specifically with our fund, um, which is, you know, the, uh, we're creating an asset backed token um, because one of the biggest problems with Bitcoin and all of the cryptocurrencies is lack of intrinsic value. Um, and what that means is people don't really know what's behind these cryptocurrencies. Um, and that's why you see such volatility, because it's the sort of the herd instinct. Because if people think that everyone's buying, then they will pile in and the price goes up. If people think they're selling, the price goes down. Um, so the price of cryptocurrencies is entirely driven by sentiment. And it's also very easy to manipulate those if you're a big buyer behind the scenes. 
So what we've done is we've created um, a fund that operates as a REIT, which is something that we all understand in the traditional world. It invests in a specific asset class, which is the equity in single family homes. And I can expand on that in a moment. Um, but rather than delivering shares or interests in that fund through traditional means, which is a, a certificate or a, a membership interest, we're creating a digital asset which uses the blockchain that enables it to move from person to person in a way that is kept in a ledger that cannot be changed. So what we're doing effectively is we're not tokenizing real estate. We're not taking something that's solid and making it into something that's, you know, vapor, for example. Um, we're just creating a structure and issuing ownership in that, that uh, uh, structure by way of a, um, a share, an electronic share that uses the blockchain to enable it to be traded um, far more efficiently than, uh, you know, than, than a normal. So in other words, we're just talking about it's, it's a security token. Is That's that exactly right? what it is. Right. But the, the really interesting thing that's going to happen with securities starting this year is the emergence of a number of parallel trading floors and trading exchanges that are all registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission. They're all regulated, but they enable the transfer, trading and, and uh, movement of ownership of securities um, in a way that's um, much more open than the traditional you know, stock market. So right now, if you want to create a publicly traded company, you can either create a, um, you can raise money through a private placement. And a lot of real estate developers uh, are familiar with uh, GPLP structures or you know, membership uh, in a private placements through LLCs. Yeah. But if you buy a membership interest in a small fund, it's really difficult if you want to get out. You have to go and sure. find someone else to buy your interest. They, they'll want to negotiate you down and you know you have to sell it at a discount. Mm -hmm. You might only be able to sell, uh, you, you might have to sell all of it rather than a piece of it. So there are all sorts of restrictions around uh, you know, trading shares unless you go public. Now, if you want to go public, then be prepared to get your checkbook out and Raj, you know, write you know, sums with lots of zeros at the end, uh, at the end, because it's a very expensive process. Sure. Um, what the blockchain and security tokens will allow, you know, this year is a halfway house. So it's the ability to create liquidity in traditionally sort of private instruments, um, which will enable people to buy and sell those membership interests in a much more efficient way. So that, that creates much more capital flow. Um, yeah. And if people um, are able to buy into something with the knowledge that they've probably got a, a, you know, a fair chance of being able to get out, that solves one of the biggest questions um, that investors ask, which is, you know, how do I get out of this stuff? So we, um, this audience in particular includes a, a large number of people in my uh, Reg D uh, yes. group. And they're familiar with the GPLP structure, et cetera, and, and, and everything. And one of the questions that comes to my mind is how do you do something like that? How do you create this liquidity within the regulatory framework that we know that's out there? For example, in our offerings, uh, real estate offerings, typically we're doing Reg D 506Bs. And, you know, we've got accredited investors only. So yes. how, how do you maintain you know, within the framework of the law when, when you're creating that liquidity? Well, with the regulations, I mean, if you look at the regulation um, D and, and, and a number of other regulations, there is a restricted securities um, element. So not to get too much into the weeds, but under any regulation D, you can't sell your interests normally until you've held them for at least 12 months. Now, after that, they don't become freely tradable but you are able to transfer them without those restrictions applying. And that depends really on what's written in the operating agreement um, if it's a, a partnership structure. Um, but what tokenization does is it really wraps the interest in your fund. So your membership interest is held within some computer code that can be transferred from one person's wallet to another. So traditionally, um, 
if you want to transfer ownership of a membership interest, it's uh, a ledger entry or, you know, somebody has to change an entry in an Excel spreadsheet somewhere and we have to bring back the old certificates and shred them and issue new certificates, put them in the mail or, you know, so it's a very time consuming process. It's prone to error. But if you can write into the code that's attached to the ownership certificate rules that relate to who can buy this and when they can buy it and that, that isn't you know we've heard the term smart contract what the token can do is actually can deal with all of the rules relating to the regulation d offering so for example if you say that I don't want anyone outside of this geography to be able to buy my tokens, then you can write that into the code. And there are mechanisms that you can work with within the exchanges that will prevent someone from outside of your rule set from being able to buy your tokens. So the really powerful thing about tokenization and digitization of assets is the intelligence that you can actually wrap around the certificate. So it's not just a dumb instrument. It actually has a set of rules that make your job as a fund manager a lot easier. And from a security perspective, I know exactly who owns my um, assets at any one time. And that means I can fractionalize them. And that means I can have multiple owners rather than having one or you know a small number because that's difficult to manage. I can, I, I can, fractionalize the tokens and, and uh, have many, many thousands of people potentially owning them because it's much easier to keep track of, um, you know, that change of ownership process. Right. So, so in effect, you would be, you would be issuing cryptocurrency based on the number of shares that you owned. Is that right? Well, you, what you're doing is, and this is where the confusion arises because you're not changing a fish into a fowl. You're really just using a different um, mechanism to represent the it's ownership just shares. in your phone. They're just electronic shares, but in, we're, in this case, we're just, they're, they're crypto. Yes, crypto shares. exactly. But you're using, a, and you're using a cryptocurrency technology which sits on top of the blockchain. Now, the blockchain is your audit layer. That's your ledger. So, you know, the blockchain is not the cryptocurrency, but the blockchain keeps track of all of these different changes of ownership. And the great thing about the blockchain is you can't delete that, you can't change it. So it's a, a real layer of trust that you can use to make sure that you keep track of every change of ownership. And that makes it much easier for you to meet your regulatory obligations. Because if you know at any one time, with a huge degree of certainty, who your owners are and what the pathway has been between one owner to another, then that makes it much easier to meet your regulations. But what we're not doing is we're not turning membership interests in, in your fund into Bitcoin. And that's one thing that I come across a lot where people think that you're, by creating a fund, we are turning our fund into Bitcoin or into Ethereum or something else. Yeah. We're just, you know, we're, yeah, it's just we're basically simply, securitizing. You're just digitizing the securities is, is effectively what you're doing. And that brings the same le levels of um, improvements in efficiency as we see with things that have gone onto the internet. So if you think about how easy it is to buy airline tickets or insurance or banking online, that's because of the, you know, the digitization of those processes. Um, now, and it's the same I, sort of thing we're going to see again. As a guy who's been on both sides, because I, you know, I, I raise capital and I also invest as an, an LP. I'm looking at it from the GP side and I'm saying to myself, why would I want to do this? This sounds awfully complicated for what I'm doing. It's working already. What do you, what do you say to, what do you say to a GP I think, that that's, I think it's horses for courses. So in other words, if you want to run a small fund as a private placement with a small number, I mean, if you take non-accredited investors, you know, you're limited to 35 anyway. So in, in, a, in, a, reg, in a 506B. So this isn't really relevant for small funds where you know the people and there's really no realistic expectation of your members that they want to be able to trade their shares. Where it is relevant is if, if you're using another type of uh, exemption, which is Regulation A+, which yeah. is the sort of halfway house between a Reg D and a, a, a private uh, and, and a, uh, a full listing. 
Uh, and if you want to go out to a much wider audience, so let's say that you want to take your fund and make mm. it more mainstream. Uh, let's say that you have a stellar uh, track record and you want to create a, a fund that goes out to a much wider audience. Then the ability for people to be able to have the prospect of a secondary market becomes very enticing. Yeah. So again, for, for many people, it's just, it's a, a technology or it's an application that really is never going to be relevant because they're very successful at what they do. And, and so, um, so how does it, again, going back to the GP side of that, if I, again, if, if I have a reg, you know, regulation crowdfunding, you know, reg A plus offering yeah. and I've got a $50 million fund and, you know, I, I have a handful of friends who are in that position if I'm doing that, what does this add to the complexity on what I'm doing and the cost and what benefit? Because obviously from the, I, I understand what you're saying from somebody who is buying, who's buying this, that there's a secondary market and maybe you can, you know, you want to get out of something and there's liquidity there, but I would imagine there is some level of cost. There's some level of, you know, additional complexity on the GP side. Am I, am I wrong about that? Yes, no, there, there is, but it's not, prohibitive in other words it's um and, and the systems are being developed as we speak they're being improved um this is a new technology and it's based on the fundamental changes that the ownership records are based on uh, an immutable or otherwise an unchangeable ledger mm -hmm. um, so if you were ever going to build a securities settlement system you know you would build it on blockchain because that is your layer of truth and that gives you all of the efficiencies that reduces your cost. So from a GP's perspective, and, you know, take it up to the, the, the mother of all GPs, which is the SEC, from their perspective, um, the, the SEC are looking at all of the Regulation A-plus offerings that are coming in. And the questions they're asking are, how can you satisfy us that the processes that you use under, you know, when you're creating digital assets, meet the securities requirements um, for for normal certificates. So in other words, you're issuing this as a digital certificate. How do you track it? How do you make sure that it doesn't get into the wrong hands? How do you pay dividends? If someone loses their digital certificates, how do you replace it? Um, you know, how do you maintain ownership of the cap table? Those are the questions the SEC are asking. But, you know, once those... Um, uh, applications have gone through and we understand collectively what is needed to get an A plus <laughs> offering through using uh, digital assets, then you'll have a number of third party service <clears throat> providers who will come to you and say, if you want us to take your reg A plus fund and tokenize it, sign here and it will cost you X number of you know dollars as a setup fee and X number of dollars per month. So it will become a standard process. At the moment, because we're at the very much the cutting edge, it seems unwieldy. Well, it is. It's, it's, a, it's an unwieldy, um, inefficient process, unless you are um, very technically minded. But that will change in the next few months. Um, and there are already a number of companies that will work with, with aspiring GPs or with existing funds you know, to, to provide that technology layer. Um, let's, uh, let's change a little bit, a little pivot here and talk specifically about quantum RE. What exactly do you do? Well, we focus really on the major problem that homeowners have if they have equity in their homes and want to try and release some of it without taking on more debt. So currently the only way that you can really unlock that equity is to go back to the bank or another mm -hmm. financial institution and borrow more money, whether it's borrowing money through an additional um, secured mortgage or through a home equity line of credit, or you know, if you qualify, uh, it's a reverse mortgage. All of those are debt products. So you're taking really an asset that you own, that you paid for, and the only way you can realize that, because your home is an illiquid instrument, is to go back and borrow more money against that. Now, you know, that's not for us, that, that's a big problem. And, and there's $15 trillion worth of equity in the US residential market. 
about 40% of which is in California. So there's an enormous, you know, trillions, literally trillions of dollars worth of equity that is owned by homeowners that really would be very useful to those homeowners from a, you know, a cash flow perspective, if only they could unlock it without having to take on more debt. So that's the problem that we solve. And the way we do that is by buying the rights to the appreciation of that equity uh, today so that um, you can release that equity without taking on more debt. So to give you an example, if you have a million dollar house and you want to release $200,000 worth of equity, that's 20% of the current value of your home. So our agreement will say that any time between now and the next 30 years, so you're on, under no immediate time, time pressure, but the moment you sell your house, we get our $200,000 back and we share in the appreciation of the house. So if your house has gone up in value, then we take a share of that as well. And that's the return on our investment. Uh, and in what the meantime, is that split typically? So the way it works is it's a formula. So if we have released, let's say 10%. So let's say you know we, we wrote you a check for $100,000. That's 10% of the value of your home. When you sell your home, we multiply that by 2.5. So we take 25% of the increase in value. So if your house has gone up, say, $100,000 from a million to 1.1, we get our $100,000 back and we get $25,000 from the increase. So you keep $75,000 of the increase. We get our $100,000 back because we bought a piece of your equity and our our return on investment is that uh, $25,000. So from... A homeowner's perspective, you've had the use of that $100,000 for however long you want it without any monthly payments um, and without uh, any any interest accruing. How do you, I'm trying to wrap my head around it a little bit and to, to the extent that how do you, um, I mean, do you, is this collateralized debt? Is it, I mean, are you guaranteeing it somehow or or? No, it's not. I mean, from a, an investor's perspective, it's not debt. It's actually the opposite of debt. And, um, you know, it, in the truest sense, it is a position. It's an equity position. So um, from an investor's perspective, um, we are buying, we are the only way that you can buy into an owner-occupied home. So we think that's a very good asset because, an owner is normally a very good steward of your you know, of the home. So someone who owns the place looks after it. Um, we're helping the homeowner because we are buying something that is theirs for sale. So you know, they'd like to take a few chips off the table. Um, and it's not debt because we're not asking for any interest payments. So a shared risk approach. So we are very much in partnership with the homeowner. So if the home goes down in value, we do run the risk of losing money. Sure. But if it goes up in value, which you know it should, if we do our job correctly as an underwriter and originator, if it goes up in value, then then we make money. Interesting. So so do you go through a traditional you know uh, home appraisal? How, how how does the process work? Say, let, let's just run through it. I guess in practical terms, because there may be people who are listening thinking. Hey, this sounds like a good idea. I don't have to do a, a HELOC and, and pay interest. I can just pull equity out and, you know, and, and use it now. And, 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 you know, when I sell my house and then, then I'll deal with it later. Um, exactly. So, so, so say I come to you, come to your company and I say, all right, I got a, you know, I got a million dollar house here. I've got, uh, first of all, how much, you know, if somebody's already got a, you know, 70% or 80% LTV, how much equity are you willing to actually um, go up to? Well, the first, um, there are limits, obviously. So the amount of equity that we will release is capped at 30% of the current value of the home. Um, and the, the combined loan to value, so if you add the equity that we're releasing together with your outstanding mortgage debt, that must not exceed 95% of the value of the home. Okay, well, that's still pretty significant because most people have more than 5% equity in their homes. Yeah, I mean, our, I mean, our team um, historically has originated over 300 of these transactions. So we have a very experienced team that's part of our group. 
um, who were pretty much the uh, creators of the equity release product. Um, so over the last you know nine ten years, um, we've we've got some really good experience. And funnily enough, most of the people that want to release equity um, do so because they want to pay down their debt, whether it's credit card debt or you know mortgage debt or HELOCs. So it's a, you know it's a way of just expunging that debt once and for all. Um, but so our target market tends to have a lot more equity than, you know, like, a, you know, the early stage buyers who only have a, um, a few percentage points. The average um, equity release um, over those 300 transactions is around 20 percent. So, mm-hmm. so people tend to release, you know, fairly decent chunks of their equity, really, because, um, you know, if you write someone a check for two hundred thousand dollars, you know, it's quite important. It's quite meaningful mm-hmm. to them. Um, and uh, you know, particularly if there aren't any monthly payments associated with it. But to, to answer your question, the process normally takes three to four weeks. Um, we start with an online application, fill in some details, um, and that goes then to our origination team. Um, the process involves an appraisal. So we will send an appraiser out um, to give us a um, third-party value of your home according to you know local comparatives and you know current market conditions so it's you know it's it's a third party physical appraisal that's backed up by automated valuation mechanisms from the likes of uh, you know zillow and, and other companies so we sort of triangulate the value um, we then have an agreement with you where you sell us the future uh, or the rights to future appreciation of a certain amount of your home or the equity in your home. Um, and in exchange for that, you receive US dollars. So there's no crypto involved at that stage. Right. Um, it's from a homeowner's perspective, it's a very straightforward transaction. Um, and then you're free to do whatever you want with that uh, capital. So there are no restrictions that you must use it for, you know, home improvements or, uh, you know, to do something specific. It's, it's entirely your capital. Yeah. I mean, in that regard, what you're talking about right now, I mean, I don't, I'm not sure I even really understand what the, I mean, it's a great model, but I, I, I'm curious why you even need the blockchain there. Well, what the blockchain does is it allows, the money's got to come from our fund to be able to. Oh, it's security tokens, or it's a securitization. It's just a yeah, way. Yes, so that's the other side. So, so you're right. Now, behind the scenes, we use blockchain to keep track of um, all of the transactions and the ownership because the blockchain is a very good stable ledger system. It's a very sure. good way of keeping track of ownership. So, we use that behind the scenes. But you're right. We could use any sort of database technology really for that. But where we use the blockchain is, is in, that enables us to raise the capital to go into the fund so that we can then allocate that to the um, – and we do that by issuing tradable tokens um, that, can, that have this sort of liqui- – or will have this liquidity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's – from an investment perspective, that's you know, compelling because I can buy into this fund that specializes in this particularly interesting large mm-hmm. asset base – really can't be accessed through any other mechanism. And at the same time, I get something that if I want to take some chips off the table myself, I can go online to one of these up and coming security token exchanges and, you know, and maybe sell a few tokens just to lock in some profit. So are right now, where are you in the process? Are you actually, um, are you actually in the, doing this anywhere or is this, is this, um... well, we started, we launched our platform in, um, December, um, mm. so just a couple of, you know, two or three weeks ago. Um, so you can now, as an investor, um, uh, we're limited to accredited investors because we are starting the process with a regulation D offering, you know, the, sure. the thing we all know and love. Um, we filed a regulation A plus offering with the SEC about three, two to three months ago. Um, so that's going through the processes there. Um, so the platform is live. Um, we're in the process of raising money through individuals who are accredited. And we're also out talking to family offices and other institutions um, who um, really like the asset because um, it's effectively, it's it's like a leveraged proxy on the Case-Shiller Index, effectively. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a great way of getting... Um, you know, direct investment in that single family owner occupied residential asset class. Um, so we're raising money both online and, off- and offline. And over the next um, you know, few weeks and months, you'll see 
more and more activity on the site. And as soon as we have a regulation A plus um, uh, exemption approved, then those shares that will be issued as tokens will be immediately tradable. So, you know, watch this space, as they say. Yeah. So if if I'm an investor, um, so there's there's two sides of this. Obviously, you can participate. I'm presuming, you, you know, you, you can participate on either side through your platform. Yes. If I if I'm an investor, what do you see as sort of your typical investment? You know, I, I know you can't really project returns, but do you see like uh, as as the fund grows at various times when money is paid back? It's not paid yep. back. It's it's a way to tell you the house is sold. So every time a house is sold, uh, there's there's some level of dividends that come out of that. Yeah, or, exactly. Okay. And then, uh, so it's not just adding to the... the, the um... Well, we do. Because it's a REIT, we have to mm. distribute 90% of the profit that the fund makes each year. So what we do is, um, every time you're right, every time a home is sold, if we make a profit, then that profit goes into the fund's account, and that's the fund's profit. And then every six months or 12 months, um, we will distribute those dividends to the existing token holders. Um, it's a very sort of straightforward um, process. So, so it is a it's a dividend paying. It's not income generating like a traditional REIT, yeah. Because you know we're not getting income from rent, but as profit is, goes into the fund, that profit is distributed. You know, you know to the uh, to the token holders. Got it. So you said the uh, Reg D offering is live, correct? Yes. Yeah. And- to accredited, in, it's a it's a. a it's available to um, accredited investors. Okay. Uh, and you can go on and you can How do you you know, look at the PPM now. Uh, do you go to your your website? Yep. Or- yeah, it's quantum, quantum, dot Um, And it's, it's all there. You just, it's, um, it's relatively intuitive. So you just click a few buttons and um, you can go through the process. You register, you set up an account, um, you send us your accreditation proof, you know, in the, um, to make sure which is your sort of CPA letter or yeah, yeah. Uh, letter. Yeah, and then um, fund your account. And then what happens is we, we've we just launched the fund. So we have a minimum escrow figure of a million dollars. So the moment that we've reached our minimum of a million dollars, um, then we will issue um, security tokens. Um, and the most important thing is that you don't need an electronic or, or you don't need a, a crypto wallet to be able to hold uh, our tokens because we have a relationship with Prime Trust, uh, and Prime Trust acts as the custodian for our investors. So they can actually hold the tokens for you in their account, um, in the same way that you know Schwab or um, another one of these companies holds shares in public companies on, on your behalf. So we can hold um, those uh, digital assets for you through our relationship with Prime Trust. What's the what's the uh, minimum investment for? It's a thousand dollars. Oh, so, so you know we we've, we've we've kept it low because we really want this over time to be a mass market offering. Right. Well, it's certainly a very very interesting idea, and uh, I appreciate you being on the show today, Matt. Uh, and uh, again, the the site just for people who are interested is Quantum. That's Q U A N T M E. Or sorry, Q U A N T M R E. dot com. Right. Yes. Yeah, that's right. It's a bit of a mouthful, unfortunately, but yeah. um, yes. <laughs> well, we'll put it in the show notes as well so people can get an idea of what that is. And I'll be certainly certainly watching this uh, because I think this is one of those things that I think uh, is sort of going to define uh, the way real estate is going to go in the future. And, and you know, who Thank knows me. what's going to happen. But uh, good luck to you and thanks Thank for you. being on the show. Thank you, Buck. It's been a pleasure. I really appreciate you having me on. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the show, everyone. I really enjoyed that interview. I think Matt is a very smart guy. I really enjoyed that conversation. You can tell when a guy's legit, and he just knew what he was talking about. Anyway, I think this whole option of borrowing against the equity in your home in exchange for equity rather than monthly interest payments, frankly, is rather ingenious, right? I mean, it's kind of hard to believe that no one's really no one's really done that before. You know, I will say that I'm not sure that the blockchain itself or distributed ledgers are a critical aspect of what Matthew's doing. I mean, I think one could argue that it could be done with a central database rather than a distributed ledger. 
but the blockchain does add an element of security, immutability, and you know some efficiency to the system. So there is a purpose for it as well. Anyway, I'll be watching closely to see how this business plays out. Um, as an investor, I think it's also a very unique way. You know, I, I'm now now I'm talking about not using it on your own home, but as an investor uh, into that fund, it's also a very unique way to invest in. Uh, in in the housing market, basically, what you're investing there in there is that uh, the appreciation of the housing market over time. I mean, that's that's basically what you're investing in, right? Of note, one thing that I didn't ask Matt about on the show, which I did ask about later, is I wondered where the houses were, and he mentioned to me that it was primarily coastal, and he's in California, so I'm imagining you know a lot of California, et cetera. In other words, markets that tend to appreciate a lot. So probably not a lot of stuff um, in New Mexico or, you know, Oklahoma or, you know, not not bad markets. Markets don't that don't appreciate very much. Um, anyway, good. It was good stuff. Hope you enjoyed that. Now, let me take this last moment once again to remind you that I would love to see you at our inaugural Wealth Formula event called Titans of Multifamily Real Estate it should be a lot of fun, guys. A lot of you have asked for this because you wanted to meet each other. You wanted to meet like-minded individuals. Here's your chance. Um, I will say that there's no other podcast audience like ours. We have some of the smartest, most interesting, most savvy people of any podcast. And I'm not just saying that. That is true. And I, I, I guarantee you that that's true. We don't dumb things down on this show, right? I mean, this is a very niche show and it attracts really interesting people. We've got people who are doctors and lawyers. We've got people who are, you know, working at Google and Facebook. We've got, you know, entrepreneurs. We've even got guys working on Wall Street who secretly listening listen to this show because they don't really want to invest in stocks, bonds, and mutual funds, believe it or not. That is true. Anyway, come out and meet them. Meet me. Meet Ken McElroy, Tom Wheelwright, Dave Steele. All these guys come out, mingle, and it could be something that really changes your life. Remember that I talked about at the beginning of this podcast, these individual meetings, sometimes it just takes one meeting to make a big, big difference in the trajectory of your life. Check it out. Go to wealthformulaevents.com. And that's all I got for you this week. This is Buck Joffrey signing off. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast. Visit us on the web at wealthformula.com. The information contained in this podcast are opinions, not fact. As always, consult your own financial team before making any investment. See you next time. Buck Joffrey here from Sapio with Buck Joffrey. Aging might become reversible over the next 10 to 20 years. It's already being done in lab animals, so it's just a matter of time. Our challenge? To be healthy enough for when that time comes. As a former scientist and surgeon myself, my goal is to figure out how to do that and to share it with you. I wrote a book called Living Longer for Busy People that you can download for free at sapiopodcast.com. You'll be amazed at just how a few daily adjustments can add years of a healthy life for you. Again, download it for free, sapiopodcast.com.